94.7 Kumu Kokua, because Kumu cares. We welcome back to the show, Lieutenant Governor Josh Green. Good morning, sir. Good to hear your voices. Thank you, sir. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, before we dig into the serious topics of things like tourism and the reopening and things like that, uh, we wanted to address Halloween. What do you recommend? What are the experts recommending? I would recommend have a, um, a quiet time at home with family, with costumes, with candy that you get from friends that drop off maybe or from stores. But this is a year to, to really not have uh, face-to-face time. It'll be difficult to socially distance. It's difficult to ask children to, to not mix with each other up close mm-hmm. and take masks off. So having gatherings is a mistake. So this is the time to lay low. Okay, and to to help people understand the distinction, under Tier 2 for Honolulu, right now, technically, you can gather in yeah. groups of up to five, right? Yes. Yeah, technically, but what you're saying is, <laughs> it's not recommended, don't do it. No, stay in your bubble. This is still the time. Do, do virtual, do a virtual Halloween party, you know, do a costume contest that's, uh, virtual, send pictures to friends, post stuff, do all that, but don't, it's, it's really, it's just too risky to uh, have a, a spread event or a boom event like we did with 4th of July. Remember, mm-hmm. 4th of July set us off in a pretty bad way, and it, it's just not, it's not worth the risk. I don't know what to say. I, I love Halloween. I got, you know, my Darth Vader helmet, which I, <laughs> I have fun with, and um <laughs> You know, no one loves that kind of stuff more than me. It's just really a mistake this year if anybody goes out and and overdoes it because right now we're in a good place. We've had very few cases. We've averaged 84 cases statewide per day over the last week, even with the outbreaks on Lanai and in South Kona, uh, which have been contained. People are getting back to work. We're seeing some travel. Some, you know, some of the hope is restored, is being restored to the, um, you know, to our, our tourism industry, mm-hmm. modest, but it's it's coming. We're you know the surveillance testing, as everyone is quickly becoming aware, has really been showing very low case rates, like super low case rates coming back. Talk about that more. I mean, all these signs are good, right? And Halloween, while awesome, is not worth having super spreading events before we've had schools open, before we've had our economy uh, semi restored. So this just isn't the way to go. I, I think it'd be a mistake to have a big event. Got it. And also with the trick-or-treating, which, by the way, people have asked, when you wear a Halloween mask, does that count as a mask that uh, is is required under mask rules for COVID? It doesn't, because you get a lot of air around those masks. Um, Like the the Friday the 13th mask that Jason wore, there's a lot of blood and breathing that can go around that thing. Mm -hmm. So you're just not going to get protection. And it's it's also the you know the problem is people take their masks on and off and on and off and that that's a recipe for disaster. So if people are out in any way for whatever reason and, and they're putting a mask on, whatever, you put, please put one of those light surgical masks on under it. Uh, it's going to be a drag, I suppose, to do that. But I I will tell you that that's the that's the safer way to go. Okay, uh, Lieutenant Governor, I got to ask you about the whole candy thing. Because some people are saying, you know, don't be taking the candy because it's filled with COVID. Uh, I mean, what's going on? No. What is the truth about some of that stuff? And what's safe to do? Yeah. No, Snickers and Twix are very, very safe. <laughs> cool. 
Okay. Because yeah, you know it's all about the food. So I I gotta put that question in there somewhere. <laughs> people right. making me people making me nervous to eat my Snickers bars. Right. So. Righto. Yeah. But no. seriously though, I, I, if right. if people are trick or treating though, is it safe to take candy from other people? Uh, it is. Again, I'm not recommending trick or treating mm-hmm. at all. Uh, there there could be. I mean, there if someone is is actively got COVID and you go to their house. It's possible. First, you're going to be less than six feet away when you take it. Although I imagine most people are going to put their candy out in like a um, a jack o' lantern or something on mm-hmm. their porch, which will which would work. But you're just running extra risk of spread. And I can't recommend that this time. I, I really don't want to be a party pooper, and and that may that may be the way it comes off. But safety first at this point, and you're, you're probably not going to catch it. Uh, but you can't be sure. One, I do know one group of people recommended that the um, that after kids, if they did go and get some candy, that you leave it in the um, bucket or, or bag or whatever for three days because the virus will die mm. if it happens to get onto something. But why take that risk? You know, yeah, yeah. okay. Do a gift bag for your kids and um, and plan to have a real kick butt uh, Halloween in 2021. That's, right. Yeah. That's a much better approach, I think. Plus, right. plus, good luck. Uh, uh, good luck waiting, making your kids wait three days, though. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> My kids yeah, are like, ah, give me the candy. Maybe get some substitute candy on the side. Uh, in the meantime, but anyway, um, sir, wanted to get into uh, our updated numbers on tourism. Now we're about two weeks into the reopening of Trans Pacific Tourism. What is the latest there? What kind of tourism numbers are we seeing? It's been pretty extraordinary. We've seen, well, we've seen about five thousand visitors a day. And as of yesterday, when I did the full two-week wrap-up, let's just do the numbers for the two weeks so yeah. people can have it in that perspective. We had had 105,000 individuals that had gotten screened. Nine, I'm rounding these numbers. 90,000 90, people that were exempted and 10,000 that went into quarantine. And we had 70,000 or so visitors and then another 38,000 residents returning. Mm-hmm. So in those first 14 days, we had about 70,000 uh, visitors, and so you can do the math, you know, real fast. It's like it, it's basically five thousand ish a day, and that's that's extraordinary compared to where we've been, which is like six hundred. And I've been very careful to watch the numbers. Now you wouldn't see much change in the initial phase, but after two weeks, you would probably, if there was some terrible thing going on that you weren't aware of, you would start to see the numbers go up. Instead, they've actually been trending down. So mm. we've had an average of 84 cases per day uh, for the last week. Our, our transmission rate's been, or positivity rate, forgive me, has been 2%, 2.0%. And we've run over 9,000 surveillance tests, and we've had six people out of 9,300 plus, uh, just six people test positive on that second test. So that's pretty encouraging. In fact, it's very encouraging. It's mm-hmm. lower than even the numbers in other places like Tahiti, where they were one out of 800 it's it's what I had hoped to see and what I expected to see, which mm-hmm. is if you get a pretest on people, you're taking them from whatever their their baseline is in their community to a much lower level. You're clearing out 60, 70, 80 percent of any positives. Then those guys, positives don't travel and everyone else has been negative. Mm-hmm. And seeing people be negative is uh, is important because I know that people had some trepidation about you know, what happens when tourism opens up. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason we'll have spread, if we have spread, is going to be um, we have tens of thousands of extra people getting back to work, which was a must. 
give them hope, make sure people can pay for their kids' school and, and rent. Uh, but having people back at work, back in close proximity, obviously does create some extra risk. I'll tell you, though, look at where the, the main spread has been in the last 10 days or five days. Mm-hmm. It's been on Lanai, where they had an outbreak amongst the um, Pacific Islander community from Coast Rye, and it was on Big Island among the, um, the Pacific Islander community. I'm unfortunate. I'm un- unhappy to share that and say that, but in, uh, in Ocean View on the Big Island, and that's where most of the spread occurred. And it's just because people are they have big, loving families and they're close in close quarters. So we're going to do better on that, but no blame. It's just that's where the spread has been, and it's been contained and been okay. But it has not been because people were on a United flight or a Hawaiian Airlines flight coming in, and it's not been at the hotels. So I I feel comfortable saying that, and we'll keep watching everything. But you know, it's important to have the facts, and mm-hmm. it's important to look at this analytically because. This is actually, this is after all a, a pandemic. This is a science question. This is not an emotion question. And if we can do the right stuff, we can open Hawaii safely. And if we can do really well on mask wearing, we will not get a surge like um, Europe is getting and the mainland's getting. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard because the surge is going on right now. But it's usually because they're, they're not wearing masks and they're indoors now because of the fall. It gets cold over there. Okay. Um, to that note, Lieutenant Governor, I wanted to ask you about this uh, this report. Um, you know, uh, Chief Susan Ballard was talking about how um, just as many, if not more, of the violators of the COVID nineteen regulations are Hawaii residents, not the tourists. And wh- how do you feel about that? And what do you think uh, should be done? Well, first, most people who are here are returning residents. We don't have very many tourists here right now. We. We have in the in I mean in the last two weeks, as you know, like I just told you, the total number mm-hmm. total number of visitors was seventy thousand, uh, and we have one point four million. So that would be that's like five percent of all the people that are around. Only one out of every twenty people that you see is a visitor right now. So of course we're going to mostly be our our local residents. Uh, but as to people making you know violations and and getting busted. Well, if it's for masks, I would like to see some simplification and and improvements on the mask wearing rules. The Gov, I think, has done a good job to express that it is a mandate that he's got in place. Uh, it's a mandate that says you got to follow the county's rules, and they are all mask mandates. But there's a little bit of confusion that occurs. I know that it drives him nuts because he's like, what's the confusion? Please wear a mask if you're outside of your house. It's mm-hmm. about that simple. But each county is a little different and also the idea that you're charging people and it's going to go on their record with a misdemeanor i mean my god we charged the, sur- the surgeon general who is here mm-hmm. and i get it no one gets special treatment you know the, the police waved me down one day when i was out jogging and said hey you got your mask on you although i was of course allowed to jog without a mask i was by myself and it was four in the morning but i said yes sir i do you know but had it been not exercising and I've been around anybody, it would have been a violation. And so you have to, you know, you have to look at that and be careful. Uh, overall, I do think that we will improve the law. I think that it would be better to just have a quick $100 fine or some such thing rather than misdemeanor, which, you know, most of those, if not all of them, are going to get thrown out by the courts, all of them, because mm-hmm. you, can't, you can't have 60,000 people go to court and be charged with a misdemeanor. Only people who truly were jerks about it. I mean, really bad. 
right? Mm-hmm. Those dudes probably deserve to get busted. People who were trying to make an example of how they flaunted the law. That's not okay. But everybody else, it's like, wait, wait a second. You know, I, a minor lapse of, of attention and you're going to um, throw the book at me? Please don't. So we'll fix that. It does require the legislature to pass a bill, it turns out. We've investigated. It can't just be the governor with the stroke of a pen saying, hey, I'm, I'm changing it to a fine. It, it doesn't actually work that way, just so people know. But we could do it if, if a special session does occur soon with the Senate, which it does because they're going to they're going to take up the question of a, a Supreme Court uh, justice has been appointed by uh, the gov. Then in that case, if the House peaked in, it wouldn't bother me and pass a bill to uh, to make things a little simpler. I, I really would like that. I know it would make a big difference for the state and our health. So wait, let me let me make sure I got this correct. Um, are you saying there might be a special session coming up relatively soon? Well, there is one. There's, okay. there's a special session coming up very soon for uh, for a, a judiciary appointment, and so that there that's going to just be the Senate, as you know. Right. And so, but the House they will be there, and we are helping the team, and my my team's working on this. As of course, is the Attorney General, who's terrific, mm-hmm. uh, is, is looking at what it would take. These things aren't quite as easy as we might like them to be, but we could definitely do it. And okay. I would like to see it done personally. If it comes to that, just, I always am a believer in, in simplifying these systems because there's just a lot of things that can go wrong otherwise. So I think it would be good. It would send the right message. It's pretty, it works pretty well with um, the laws about uh, jaywalking, you know, mm-hmm. and it's easier to send a message that way. So overall, yes. That would be good. And people will quickly learn to wear their masks and be, be cognizant of that. And, you know, I wouldn't even mind myself if I if they occasionally warned me or cited me if I was making <laughs> the mistake of not wearing a mask. Because you really are running the risk of spreading disease to people who are more vulnerable. Mm, right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Lieutenant Governor uh, Josh Green joining us here. Um, getting some questions in from Facebook. Uh, someone is asking, uh, Tony Ramirez, uh, for commuters... Mm-hmm. Are there free testing options? There are not free testing options right now, although I did recommend that. And it would be good probably if we switched just over to antigen testing exclusively for for our commuters, which is more like $20, $25 rather than the, the, uh, the in the rapid test usually, rather than the PCR tests, which are $120, $130. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, would, I would definitely say that's good. Now, I also think that the mayors are going to have to do some soul searching about how long they want to keep the inner island quarantine going because it, the, the quarantine, the inner island quarantine itself doesn't do much except it makes people think about, you know, whether or not there's a risk. It would be better to spend all of that energy on mask wearing, free masks and what have, what have you. That would actually solve hmm. uh, the spread problem. So that's what I'd like to see. but. Uh, it, yeah, I know. I know a few people who are commuting once a week, and that's it's a significant uh, expenditure of their time to get that test, and and needless to say, some extra money. So I'm working it. I can only say in the end that I I can make the best recommendations that I can to the government team, and a lot of these things they have not wanted to change too quickly, and I do respect that. Uh, we're not going to make major changes in the safe travels program at all until at least been a month which is november 15th and I, in retrospect i was pushing for some quicker fixes but there's something to be st- said for stability 
All right. I wanted to go back for a second and talk about all these thousands of people who are self-quarantining right now. I'm trying to understand the, the nature and the dynamic of that. Are they coming in going, I didn't know I'm supposed to test. Oh, no. What do I do? Or are they coming in going, I don't I, I don't want to get tested. Send me to quarantine. And then I'm just wondering how carefully they are being monitored. So there's, there's three categories. There's people who just straight up opted out. And some of them are returning residents who just said, I'm just okay, I'm going to be at home. Uh, mm-hmm. there's, so there's people who opted out or refused to get a test uh, or were clueless, and there is some of that. And so they go to 14-day quarantine, and they're being pretty closely monitored. First of all, the hotels are informed that people are, if they, if they have a guest that's coming in on quarantine. And it's not perfect, but a lot of people are having the information shared. And so the hotels often just give a, um, a key that can only be used one time to go up. And then you have to have food brought in or ordered. It's an awkward thing, mm-hmm. but we're in an awkward time. Then there's the second category of people that simply did it wrong. They went to a non-partner. They got a test that was a, a, like an inexpensive antibody test that was completely inadequate. They, they got the test two weeks ago, and then they, they thought that it was going to be fine. I mean, there's a lot of examples of different things. Some people just wrote on a piece of paper mm-hmm. that they had had a test once before in the past and it was mm-hmm. negative and they wanted that you know used i mean so there's a lot of those guys made a mistake and we're, i'm i'm sympathetic but everyone has to understand we're putting safety first no matter what we're putting safety first and 86 percent of all people got got the exemption through getting a test and and safe you know safe travel um policy so 14 percent ended up in the other category and then the final bucket of people these are the ones i'm particularly uh sympathetic for more than anything and they got the test the test result was slightly delayed and now they're waiting for it to be validated Mm. so we're trying to accelerate that as much as possible it got up to pretty large number at one point because so many people came but it's been dropping down really fast now they got it down to just a couple hundred people and so we added extra personnel to check those tests we're adding extra partners uh, that are professional in the testing arena which is going to really be helpful. We're adding our computer system functions so that we can check more tests quickly. So we're doing all that we can to make that work. And those are people that they went, say, to a trusted partner. They went to CVS or Kaiser. They just did it the day before, and so that test came back two days after they arrived. Mm-hmm. And then there's that line. They, we are not letting people jump the line. Uh, only under extreme circumstances do we give someone a preferred uh, circumstance. That's like uh, if they're parent is sick and dying or they are only here for four days and they were here to deal with a a will or something and they did in good faith go through the process in that case we really do our best to to clear them fast Um, so if people made very good faith efforts or if someone lost their test there was one family that i i helped out actually they just their test got lost their the actual swabs got lost and if that happens okay you know what what we're doing is we're we're going to handle that quietly and, and make sure we get those people a, a, a retest and we'll expedite the result and then they can be free to have their vacation. It's negative. So we're doing all that. And then on top of it, of course, we're doing lots of surveillance testing all over the place to continuously recheck that this is safe. And it is. I'm just, I'm just, that's a fact. It is safe. If it gets less safe, we'll adjust. But for now it's safe. And as I watch the mainland numbers go up, I worry like everybody but I'm going to keep doing this to make sure that we are in a safe spot 
Uh, kudos to the mayors. They're doing some extra testing, all of them, even the ones that I don't get along with, or one I don't get along with, <laughs> doing a really good job because he cares about people, you know. Mm-hmm. So he's testing, and they're doing what they can. Everybody wants COVID to be suppressed. Nobody, except for a few guys that, you know, I get an occasional text from somebody that t- says, uh, you're a jerk, I'm never wearing a mask, uh, I don't care what you say, it's a conspiracy by... Wow. How do you respond to that? I, I said, you're a fool. And uh, blocked them on my personal phone because <laughs> they called me at three in the morning. Oh, have You know? Oh, yeah. So that, that's okay. That happens. But if they call my office, we'll take every bit of information. And um, I'm beginning to see kernels of hope that other things are going to change for the better. People are spending more time with their families. People are restructuring the way they do business and are able to do it in a much more efficient way with lower overhead. Education is going to change for real. They're going to figure out ways that they can get educated at much less cost. There's all kinds of stuff. Healthcare is changing for the better in some ways because we're now adding telehealth for the next generation. And that is, that's creating a little bit better compliance with people who do follow up on their blood pressure and their medications. So you'd be amazed that there are some neat, good things that are happening. But there are also real challenges still that lie ahead. And until we're a mostly vaccinated, not mandatory, but mostly vaccinated society and we've developed immunity, we're going to be at risk a little bit. And so I'm working on that until uh, I'm done being lieutenant governor. Okay. Well, thank you very much, lieutenant governor. Uh, Joseph Cam on Facebook has said that... Uh, uh, I guess he's coming in from the Ninth Island, from Las Vegas. He says that uh, of the trusted partners, there are only two on the list that are that qualify in Vegas. Uh, so he's curious whether that's going to expand at all. Uh, yes, I had a um, a meeting with uh, one of the major casinos, and they're going to set up some some drive through testing, and they're going to do a lot of partnering. I think it's going to be additional partnering with uh, Hawaiian Airlines, who's really been a set of stars. Hawaiian and Alaska Airlines have been amazing. All of them have been good, but those guys have been all over this. And uh, so, yes, we, okay. uh, we're going to have more testing, and we're going to have it simpler. And, and I actually have, have given some advice to the, the Vegas industry folks uh, about how they might set a new standard for themselves. I think that as antigen tests get quick, they'll be able to do more testing. And, and see, my, my motivation is selfish. I want our Hawaii residents to have safe places to to do what they do, whatever that is in Vegas, you know, but do it and do it without a risk of catching COVID because then when you come back, we have less spread. So wherever we have communicated uh, travel, of course, there's Japan and Gov's all over that one. So we uh, we need to do each other some, some favors and that's keep spread minimal. Okay. Uh, sir, I wanted to talk about the vaccines that are under development right now for the average Joe on the street. How soon can you expect to, to be, you know, get access to a vaccine? I think the, uh, the very best case scenario for people that are very low risk is probably April. I would say it was the best case scenario wow. for that okay. category. Mm-hmm. And, the, um, and the worst case scenario, I think, is probably July 4th. Um, mind you, in that in those categories, you have you, once you've eliminated all of those groups that have, you know, connections to anybody. Even if you catch COVID, you're not going to have a bad outcome, and you'll be act, you'll be accumulating herd immunity as we go. 
so there's a plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if there's extra, if there's extra vaccine that people don't put their hand up for, we're going to then immediately make it available. So there's lots of opportunities that I would say are going to be there. Plus, each of these companies are going to try to outdo the other, which means they're going to try to get production up, up and running fast. And fast is not always good in healthcare, mm-hmm. but in this circumstance, you know, there's. There's COVID fatigue. We're wrestling with a couple things. One, people are getting tired of thinking about and dealing with COVID. Two, the world does have to get back to normal a little bit. And so a vaccination can really help with that. Uh, I'm going to share something with you. I felt kind of a strange sense of relief after I caught COVID, knowing once, as soon as I realized I was not going to die, it was a sense of relief because I didn't have to worry about catching it. I didn't have to worry about immunity, or not much anyway. And I think a lot of people are going to get that same sense of satisfaction without having to actually get COVID. Can you imagine what, what the world is going to feel like when we're no longer dealing with this and how, how, re, you know, how much relief people will feel and how much anxiety will, will go away? I mean, it's going to be a good thing. We're going to have a, a serious celebration. Uh, and and I'm, I'm going to be a part of that celebration, I can tell you. So, <laughs> oh, to that note, Lieutenant Governor, about U.S. coronavirus cases hitting a daily record high yesterday, to what degree should we be concerned about that? Are we going to see a matching fall surge come here? I, I mean, I hope not, but I'm just wondering how concerned you are about that. It's, it's definitely a real concern. I, the, the reality is we, when, the model we have is the flu, and the flu always hits us like six to eight weeks after it hits the mainland. Mm. And this, there is transmission similarity between COVID-19 and the flu. So we have to be mindful of that. It's why we're keeping, the, I mean, it's why we have the pretest. honestly. It's one of the big pieces of it. It's why we also have some surveillance testing going on. And not just for me, by the way. I'm going to also be adding some surveillance testing to support teachers. Uh, I'm working on those details today. Mm. And maybe I'll have some information for you next week to, to provide some extra because that's an extra category of individuals that could be vulnerable to spread once we have schools open up. So lots of reasons to, to provide surveillance for different groups who otherwise weren't getting it. Because, you know, first responders do get a lot of surveillance testing. Not all of them, but if one if somebody wants surveillance testing and you're a, a firefighter or whatever, we'll do it. We'll, we'll you know, we'll find a way. Uh, so, yes, it's a worry. Is it preventable to a degree? And... It's no, it's no mistake that I do these numbers every single day and I check the Department of Health numbers and I get input from people across the state because I want to know as soon as humanly possible whether we're seeing any uptick or there's any change. Mm-hmm. Because we, could make, we can make adjustments and still live our lives here. As you know, we survived in Tier 1. It was okay uh, with the mayor's orders. We are serving, surviving fine in Tier 2. And we're certainly surviving with very modest travel, about 25% of our, or 20%, I'm sorry, of our regular baseline. We're going to add Japan, which Japan's rates one thirteenth of what California is. So they're all, they're a great group to have uh, the Japanese community coming to Hawaii. That's really good for us. Mm-hmm. So all of these things bode well. But if there's a massive surge, and I guess I'll end on this, uh, we'll be prepared. We're recommending everyone get their flu shots, and I'm recommending everyone wear a mask. If I can do those, if I can make those recommendations as you socially distance, we will not see a significant surge. It will certainly blunt any surge, and we'll be uh, we'll be a healthier, happier people for it.
I care about you deeply. So make sure that you're safe and healthy and, and wearing masks. Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you very much, you ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the Lieutenant Governor of the State of Hawaii, Mr. Josh Green. It's Devin and Esme on the Rise and Drive on 94.7 Kumu.